0: Welcome to the Dairy Dive. My name is Scott Harris, and today we're going to be talking about animal health. So get buckled up, because we're diving deep. First of all, we hope we can try to educate you so you learn just a little bit, a little bit. My whole life's been dairy farming. Some days you (laughs) wonder why you ever milk cows.
1: It's kind of just in the blood around here. I don't know what it is, but we like livestock. Buckle up. Dairy Dive starts now.
0: Well, hello, Andrew. Hello, Scott. Welcome to the Dairy Dive. I'm happy to be here. We are happy you're here as well. We are today going to talk about something I found very interesting. Hello. When I had coming, you're not you. You're not interesting. I didn't find you interesting. Oh. I found the topic interesting. Oh, good. And it is what is the topic? Andy? So
1: we are going to talk about some animal health issues today. We're going to talk. Uh, we've got an interview coming your way, but uh, I, I wanted to say that. <clears throat> We, we changed this the name of this podcast because we really wanted to recognize how deep we're diving into some of these dairy topics. And when we talk about animal health being the topic of this episode today, I feel like that's a really good example of something that is way beyond our knowledge base. We're going to have a guest on. Uh, who are we having on and how deep are we diving?
0: Today we're going to talk to Sarah Kavidra with Elenco and she's smarter than us she is a lot smarter than us it will come across very quickly (laughs) that that is the case um she was very bright and uh it's going to be a great topic and learn more something i had no clue about um i know enough uh animal health and enough dairy stuff to be pretty dangerous um so you don't want me necessarily uh, being your uh, expert when it comes to animal health so we brought in an expert
1: and we talk so. So we talk. Animal health is the kind of theme of the episode. But very specifically, I think you found Sarah through an article she wrote about ketosis, right?
0: Correct. Yeah. If it was an article, you can actually still look up the article uh, with Progressive, Progressive Dairy, Dairy. Yeah, yeah. you can find it on their website or in a pretty recent article on uh, in one of the circulations. And so um, it talks particularly about ketosis, which caught my attention when you see that word because I know what I think of.
1: Yeah. So. You're hearing our voices on a podcast and I think it's because we both, you and I both feel like we have, uh, our voices sound better than our faces look.
0: This is true. I definitely have a face for radio.
1: Yeah. So faces for radio. Um, and you know, we're bigger dudes. There's a whole lot of, there's a lot of person sitting at this table. Yes. And so my, my experience in my personal life with ketosis is I want to lose weight. I go low carb.
0: Right. Absolutely.
1: You hit ketosis yep. and that fat just sheds off. Yeah, it does. It does. But maybe the same reasons that it's, you know, uh, us trying to, to trim some pounds, maybe the reasons that we think it's good, maybe I think are bad for the dairy cow.
0: Yeah, it definitely can be. And that's what we're going to learn about because there's some um, some aspects that Sarah brings to light of even cha- in even challenging, first of all, is it bad, answering that question, and number two challenging this idea of what actually is ketosis and, and challenging some of the preconceived ideas about ketosis and and her and the group of the Linko are are all over it and so we i learned a lot through this podcast and learning how we actually look at with with it and how it affects the dairy cow
1: uh, do you think there is a more misunderstood topic in the mainstream than animal health when it pertains to dairy farm
0: absolutely not yeah we you know we've had a previous uh, podcast that we've done that talked about this idea of animal health and taking care of the cows and you know andrew has been on a few dairies i've been on a lot of dairies and andrew's been around a lot of dairy farmers at trade shows and whatnot and we can both tell you from our experience that most of these individuals men women families love their animals they want nothing but good health for their animals and you can you know the the cynical person will say that's just a money thing.
1: And, oh, they're good people.
0: Yeah, and, the, I mean, of course money is a part of it. You've got to make sure. money, but you make money by taking care of your cows.
1: And I think that
0: most of them are just
1: good people, and I think it's the right thing to do. They don't want to see those animals in, in pain or in, like, right.
0: in poor health. They, I mean, it's an aspect of stewardship, you know. You've been blessed with the ability to have these animals on your farm, be a good steward, take care of them. And, um, uh, you know, in return, she's going to take care of you by providing something for you to be able to sell. And so this, this very circular, um, relationship that occurs. And I just don't know. I mean, I can sincerely say, I don't know a single dairy off the top of my head that I've walked on that just treated their animals poorly. Agreed. Well, before we get to, uh,
1: Sarah Kavidra, is there any, anything that, I mean, what's the most interesting thing we could talk about here or is it just getting it to Sarah Kavidra?
0: I think getting it to Sarah Kavidra because she is going to do a way better job explaining this aspect of ketosis and how this works and some challenging. So maybe if you, maybe you are listening and you are an expert on ketosis or you've at least heard of it before. (laughs) um, I think she'll challenge your thinking on some things. Well,
1: hopefully we can provide you some value uh, and some education with this, uh, with this deep dive into animal health. And with that, let's take it to Sarah Kavidra and Scott with the, with their interview.
0: All right. So now we're actually going to bring in our guest and our guest is Sarah Kavidra. Did I pronounce that correctly?
2: That's right. Yeah.
0: Okay. And Sarah works for Elenco. Yeah. All right. So, uh is a company that I have seen a lot at trade shows, um, just because of, I've done so many trade shows in my career, but quite honestly, Sarah, I don't know a lot about them, so to kind of get things started, why don't you tell us who you are, what you do, and, and what elenco does.
2: Sure, so yeah, my name is Sarah Kavidra. Uh I live just outside Des Moines, Iowa. I'm an Iowan native. I grew up in eastern Iowa, a beef cow-calf farm. I went to college at Kansas State um, and took a, a class there called Physiology of Lactation and that made me fall in love with a dairy cow. So I went into the dairy cow world from there and started doing research and did my PhD at Iowa State with Lance Baumgard looking at gut health and, and diving into this ketosis story. Uh, and then from there I worked for a trace mineral company for a couple years and then joined Elanco about a year ago. Um, Elanco is an animal health company. Uh, so they, Elanco stands for Eli Lilly and Co. Not, not a lot of people know that. Uh, oh. So they used to be uh, joint with Eli Lilly, which is a, a human health company, but they broke off um, and are on their own now. So, um, you know, people, planet, animals is kind of our mission, help to, to keep those three things healthy. Um, so we have uh, a broad portfolio that, that goes across different species and, and different sectors vaccines uh, anti-infectives and then and feed additives as well
0: okay no that sounds good that so that makes a lot of sense so uh, i was the, i actually was aware that uh, it was eli Lilly. Um, we'd actually uh, looked that up this morning before we had done done a little research so um, but uh, a lot of people may not be aware of that but it makes a lot of sense as how they would tie together so and uh in your role do you generally are you working directly with farms or are you more on the research side or what do you what is your kind of mix for your role yeah,
2: yeah. so it's a little bit of both i'm i'm technical support so i i help our sales folks um go on farm and help with product questions a lot of times it's you know ruments and what level should i be using uh, what's the level in my feed we do like on farm uh help too like mixer tests will go help uh, see if you should do different times with your mixer things like that so it's a lot of on-farm stuff it's also a lot of you know marketing and research support so one of my passions is research and part of my my favorite part of my job is to um, answer questions that customers have using research so I get to take customer questions and take them to universities or CROs uh, contract research organizations and and use controlled studies to try to help answer those questions
0: yeah, that's got to be a lot of fun yeah it is. Yeah. yeah that's fun <laughs> so we're let's dive into really why we brought sarah on and so i had come across sarah's article um in uh, progressive dairy um, and it, i believe it was titled basically ketosis disease or symptom of another problem and so that caught my eye and i read it and Um, As you will probably be able to tell by some of my questions, Sarah, I am not a nutritionist, nor am I any kind of animal expert. I'm a seed salesman, but I do love dairy, and I do love just how the whole picture works within a dairy cow and within a dairy system, and how all things relate, and there's a lot of cause and effect, and there's a lot of stuff that goes on with it. So uh, so to kind of start things, tell us what is ketosis? When I hear ketosis, I naturally think of, you know, when people are trying to go into ketosis on purpose to drop those uh, extra pounds, which I should probably look into maybe, I don't know. But <laughs> but either way, what is ketosis in a dairy cow?
2: Yeah, it's funny. It means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And and you're absolutely right, like there's all these interactions between nutrition and health and um, even what type of seed you're growing to build your corn silage uh, stockpile. So it's, it, there's tons of interactions between nutrition and health. Um, so ketosis uh, is, is simply defined as having higher than normal levels of ketones in circulation in your bloodstream. Um, that's the, at its core the simplest definition. And um, when does it occur in a dairy cow? Typically when they're in a negative energy balance. So that happens frequently around calving when um, dry matter intake will decrease prior to calving. And then after calving, because calving is a stressful event, um, that calf takes I would assume. Yeah. (laughs) I would
0: assume. I mean, I don't know, but yeah, it seems like it would be.
2: Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, when you go through a stressful event, you drop your intake a little bit and then it'll come back up. It's it's just kind of a natural thing that happens. Um, so that's a time where we see a lot of ketosis is that time of high energy demand. She's also starting to make milk and that takes a lot of energy, too. So uh, couple all those things together and you get you get ketosis a lot of times.
0: So then, Sarah, would it essentially be that she's, she's just not getting enough energy overall? I mean, or is that a, was that a big factor in this? Is that that the, the milk production is taking energy, the, the pregnancy itself is taking energy, and then so she's not actually able to get enough energy? Is that kind of a key of this?
2: Yeah, it is, it is kind of a key of this. Um, it's just a natural time where energy is high and intake can tend to be low. Um, And and she adjusts her metabolism to account for that. So almost all lactating females, when they go through birth, they will mobilize a lot of the the fat, the adipose tissue, um, because that supports lactation. It provides an energy source for her to use to get through that stressful um, kind of high energy, low intake situation.
0: That makes sense. So kind of taking this back to kind of my world, seed world, I mean it's a important reminder, dairymen, that we ha- you have to feed the best quality feed that you can at the end of the day because especially during this time, there may be certain parts in the diet when we can maybe not have to be quite as focused on the quality of it. I mean I don't think you ever want to feed garbage, you know, but um, this would be a key time in the process, right, Sarah? We want that – that animal getting as much good fiber and energy and starch and everything that we can get as possible.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That's honestly the take home message is just, if we do the little things right and get her as much digestible energy as she can, um, she can take on, that's going to help her out in the long run for sure. Yep.
0: Absolutely. So you mentioned in the article, um about kind of challenging the beliefs about dairy cow ketosis. So let's talk about that. I loved the illustration that you use um that talked about correlation not causing causation. And you use an example of ice cream not causing a sunburn. So if I eat ice cream and I have a sunburn I get a sunburn too, the ice cream didn't cause a sunburn. So let's go into that a little bit more.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So um you know, NEFA and BHBA, these are terms I'm probably going to use, but it's it's a marker of fat mobilization. NIFA is, is mobilized fat and BHBA is a ketone. So that's that's the ketosis part of, of ketosis. Um, a lot of times we correlate these with the negative outcomes in the transition period. So the diseases like retained placenta or uh, metritis or mastitis, um, we see these things happening at the same time, the high ketones and the diseases. Um, But this doesn't necessarily mean that the ketones are causing the diseases, but over time we've kind of uh, almost morphed this correlation into a causation that, that ketones are responsible for causing negative outcomes. Um, but uh, you go back in, you dig into the studies that, that look at this, and it is a lot of retrospective going back and correlating the two rather than doing mechanistic research where you're, you're actually showing that the ketone has a negative effect on the cow. Um, so it, it's this article is really just a challenge to the industry to make sure we're not uh, equating correlation with causation. Um, that we're we're looking at the things that could be cause, causing disease rather than blaming it on something else.
0: Yeah, that really makes a lot of sense, and I hope that the industry is looking at that and wanting to be challenged. There, you know, it it honestly reminds me, of, and and uh, of there's a I think it's a Latin phrase. It's basically post hoc ergo proctor hoc, right? It says after, therefore, because of it. We tend to think that because something immediately happens, that it had to have been caused by the thing right before it. But oftentimes it's actually not that it would have been some, something completely different or something that would have happened maybe a long, long time before it or a completely different thing that we're not even looking at. Um, that's just kind of how our mind works. And so I think we are guilty of that um, in all aspects of our life, but particularly I think when you know, in relation to this, when we look at an animal's response to something, um, we tend to try to draw a really straight line when sometimes it very much might be a dotted line or a squiggly line or, I mean, be something completely different.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's good to like step back and and think about um, big picture and even getting outside your industry, I think, is good sometimes. Like what what do other animals do when they go through a a lactation? And like I said before, adipose tissue mobilization, ketosis happens in in a lot of different species, Um, like even deer uh, will go through periods of of losing energy or losing body reserves to support lactation, even though they're able to eat as much as they can. Um, so it's, it's conserved across species. Um, it's not something that just happens in a dairy cow.
0: Right. No, that makes a lot of sense. So one of the other things you had mentioned um, in your article talked about uh, asking the reader, you know, what type of ketosis does their cows have? So that, that caught me for a loop because I didn't know there was multiple kinds. So it shows again my lack of knowledge, but uh, so what are the different types?
2: Yeah, so we and this has gone back to back in the early 2000s. People have looked at these different types of ketosis. Um, you know, so there's the you go through and you're you're taking blood or urine ketones on a cow, um, and you come across one that has high ketones. So in in one case you might have. A cow with high ketones, but she's eating great. She's digging a hole in her feed. She's milking very well. She looks great. Her ears are perky. Um, you know, she's running around playing with friends. She doesn't have a fever. She looks super healthy. Um, you know, good cow people know what happy cows look like. Uh, you know, she's making milk and she's ketotic because uh, she's breaking down fat and and sparing glucose for milk synthesis. So that's, that's her physiology that she is incorporating in order to make milk. So she's she's doing great. So the other type of ketosis is more of like the damsel in distress. So she has high ketones. She doesn't have an appetite. She's not milking well. She's got the droopy ears. She's not very active. Maybe she might even have a fever. Um, she's got kind of a different type of ketosis where... Uh, her immune system's probably activated somewhere. And when the immune system becomes activated, it has a huge appetite for glucose. It consumes lots of glucose. And one of the reasons ketosis happens is a glucose shortage. Either that glucose is going toward milk, which is a productive purpose, or it could be going toward the immune system, which is not what you want. That's not money in your pocket. That's not good for the animal. Um... So she might be having high ketones uh, because that glucose is going towards the immune system. So it's kind of two different routes of where where's the glucose going that's causing the ketosis. If it's going towards milk, that's great, she's fine. Um, if it's going towards the immune system, she's she needs some help. And, you know, as, as dairy men, we can treat her with like a propylene glycol, um, but we kind of need to step back and think that, you know, giving her more energy isn't going to fix the underlying problem somewhere. Immune activation is probably putting the brakes on her appetite. Um, so if we go back and fix that underlying issue, uh, we're going to solve more problems than just treating, treating the symptoms, if that makes sense.
0: Absolutely, yeah. So I'm going to go off script a little bit here, Sarah, because you've, you've, you've brought up a question. And so in my head, how much does, and if it's, maybe it's none, but does, does rumen pH balance play into this as well?
2: Yeah. So rumen pH is an interesting (laughs) topic. Uh, you can get, you can definitely get too low and cause rumen acidosis and that can cause, cause some issues. Um, a lot of inflammation could be coming from rumen acidosis if it's severe enough. So, you know, if you're not careful with, with managing your TMR, so she's not sorting, um, If you're not careful with the the levels of starch and what she can handle, you can definitely um, cause some damage to to the rumen and even to the hindgut. So you can get starch down into the hindgut and and cause like a hindgut acidosis almost. Right. Those are some so, of the things that can be causing the inflammation. Yeah.
0: So that perfectly, I mean, we didn't set this up, but that it goes to exactly what I was going to refer to was going to ask you next was um, this would eventually or very easily could cause some rumen uh, acidosis or hindgut acidosis, I should say.
2: Yeah, I, I wouldn't Yeah, I wouldn't say ketosis causes the the acidosis, but the Oh, no, acidosis, no, no, I'm sorry. I meant yeah. just
0: the pa- yeah, this the imbalance, can, Exactly.
2: Yeah. yeah, the the that's one of the things that could be um, you know, contributing to that. Inflammation load, for sure. Yep.
0: So if you're, you got a dairy now, right now, or nutritionist that's listening, um, what tips would you give them in this scenario um, when it comes to ketosis?
2: Yeah, so I, I think it's important to be just a good cow person and, and think about, you know, we talked about the different types of ketosis. What ketosis are you seeing on your farm? Are your, if you have high ketones on your farm, Um, but your cows are milking well and dry matter intake's fine, Um, you know, characterize that. If you have ketosis and milk's down and cows are not transitioning well, that's a different kind of of problem. Um, So I think first step one is to characterize what kind of ketosis you have. Um, And that depends farm to farm and how you're defining ketosis. And then I, I mean some mitigation strategies. So the the dairy producers is really really is responsible for keeping a clean environment and preventing infection in the first place. It's so important, you know, good good feed hygiene, good um, just pen hygiene is is another one. And and minimizing stresses. So you mentioned rumen acidosis. That's a management issue sometimes. So making sure we take care of that. Um, other things like feed restriction or weaning or shipping or overcrowding or unpalatable feed, um, pen moves. These are all things that can cause stress that can activate the immune system and then contribute to that detrimental type of ketosis.
0: That makes sense. And so, you know, it kind of this uh, reminds me, the way you started that answer reminds me of a podcast we did a few episodes ago. You can go back and listen to it. It's with Tara Vander Dusen. And we talk about large farms, and and I think the perception by many people who are outside of dairy, outside of farming, is they they envision these farm factories, right? It's just such a large number of cows, and nobody knows, and they don't pay any attention to the cows. And where I think you and I would agree that it's quite opposite, that most really good dairymen pay a lot of attention to their cows. And it sounds like that's the number one thing that they need to be doing and watching out for this ketosis or whatever it may be
2: absolutely yeah i think a well-managed dairy is a profitable dairy and so in order to do well you've got to keep your cows happy um and and healthy if you don't have happy healthy cows um they're not going to make milk and you're not going to be profitable and you're not going to be in business very long so yeah
0: well like you said stress is stress kills it stress kills milk production um you know i mean it's just overall efficiency Everything that you can think negative, I mean, stress is a major part of that. So, so Sarah, to kind of close things out here, is there any part of this ketosis or any main message that you see in your role that you want to get across to dairymen and nutritionists that might be listening now? What's, is there one, anything we've missed that you want to really make sure and communicate on this?
2: No, I think we touched on this before, just making sure your animals have the right diet. And the right energy supply, I think, is super critical. Um, glucose is such an important fuel for the immune system and for um, milk production. So the more that we can support her nutritionally uh, with with good energy, um, I, the better she's going to be in that transition period. Um, the better she's going to take care of those transition issues and make, make more milk. ketosis is something you can look at, but don't let it be that be all end all of, of defining success for you. Make sure you're looking at the different characterizations and, and where you fit in that.
0: Right. No, that makes a lot of sense. So, so Sarah, thank you so much for taking the time. You definitely seems like you, uh, you know, your stuff. (laughs) So uh, we really appreciate you taking the time here. Um, If someone wants to, do you have the ability for, for individuals to reach out to you?
2: Absolutely. If yeah. so, how would they do that? For sure. Uh, my email is Sarah.cavidra at elancoah.com So that's s-a-r-a dot k-v-i-d-e-r-a at elancoah.com
0: Okay. I'm glad you spelled it because I was going to make you spell it if you didn't. <laughs> exactly, so. yeah. Sarah, thanks so much. And if you're uh, as you're listening to this, go out Check out, email Sarah if you have any questions. I think she'd love to help. And also check out some of our previous podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube. There's a lot of good content out there. You can also find us on Facebook or Instagram. And we'd love to hear from you. And Of course, you can visit www.seedcorn.com. And you can actually get the podcast there as well. There's a link to Podbean on there. So with that, we're going to sign off. Hope everybody has a wonderful day.
1: Well, that's it for today's episode of the Dairy Dive. We hope you enjoyed the new format. And if you did, we would so appreciate it if you would leave us a review, a good one, we hope. Uh, But those reviews help us increase our visibility and uh, reach more people in the dairy community. So thanks so much for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time.